This is the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Red Sign Podcast. I'm Clay Winder. I'm Hayden Hewlett. Welcome to the best episode yet. Guys, we're going to talk about something a little deep today, but it's needed. Believe it or not, we are having questions in this market about seller financing lease options and contract for deeds. We call this uh, creative financing oftentimes. We all know that the normal way of financing is you go get a loan from a bank. It's gonna be insured by the government with uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, we call them conventional loans. There's loan limits in the counties, Salt Lake County 600, Utah County is only 548 right now, January 1st, we're all hoping those are gonna go up. But then you've got all the hard money stuff where you get these crazy hard money lenders and they have all their own terms. There's no limits, but they're really expensive loans. But then people oftentimes have kind of forgot when the economy is good, you don't see a lot of these, but there's the ability to create a financing agreement with the seller of a property. And there's three ways that they normally can strike deals. And if you can imagine doing a spectrum, you have seller financing on one end of the spectrum and you have a lease option or a rent to own, a lease to own. You've heard all these terms. There's a lot of terms out there on the other end of the spectrum. And then you've got this weird thing that nobody's talking about right now, except for me. And that's called a contract for deed, which is smack dab in the middle. And I want to talk about these because we just got the question today uh, about them. And uh, as interest rates go up, I promise you, you will see seller financing deals because people will have a fantastic mortgage on a house and the opportunity for the seller to make a little money and a, a great financing option for the buyer while, uh, while having a seller financing agreement kind of overlay over a current mortgage. I know that sounds a little complicated, so let's dive into it. Hayden, where do you want to begin? Wow. Let's talk about the difference between a lease to own or a rent to own and a seller finance. Mm -hmm. the, and a contract main. for deed in the middle. Yeah. So I, for, main, for years of my career, I didn't know what a contract for deed was. And I decided that it's important to talk about because it it's the, the happy medium. So the difference, first of all, is, is really not in the, in the financing per se, but it's in who has title. And that's what's important when we talk about this. Seller financing and lease options the most common, and it's it's that's why I say they're on different ends of the spectrum. On a rent to own, you have two contracts. One is a rental agreement, right? And then you have the option, or in other words, you just have a purchase contract. And so that purchase contract will say, hey, when we're done renting a year from now, two years from now, whatever, we want to now execute and purchase the home. So it's a lease with an option to purchase. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Um, and you'll usually put up option money, kind of like a second security deposit. You have your rental deposit, and then you'll have, uh, and, and sometimes it's the same thing. Oftentimes it's the same thing, but it'll be far, far more because there'll be a deposit that secures that option to buy down the road, kind of like earnest money, but it sits there for two, three years until you, or, or less, whatever the term is for the lease until you, until you purchase. But the key difference is title. Who has title in a lease option? the person purchase or sorry the the seller right the, the seller, seller keeps the it because they're just renting that the, the property and they keep title in their name the benefits of that are tax write-offs right you get you write off your mortgage well sure i mean the, 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 the seller this i mean the benefits to a seller are a they still own the property so yeah they can have tax write-offs because they have rental income, but they also have potentially mortgage interest deduction and all of that, but they still own the house. So if payment stops from the, the renter 
it's very simple. Just like any other renter stops paying, they get evicted, they're out, they lose their option money, the purchase contract goes in the trash. There is no foreclosure process. There's just simply an eviction process because they're a renter. So usually sellers prefer lease options because they still own the house and there's no foreclosure process if payments payments missed. Buyers usually don't like it as much because they're just renting with that option. But where a buyer can win is if that purchase contract, if they're locking in what they believe is a, is a good price. And that's where it always gets tricky is your, your, what is your price? Sometimes people say, well, lease options and seller financings, the purchase price is so, so high. And it's like, well, but you're, you're, you don't have to execute that, you know, until the end of the, the rental. A, on the other end of the spectrum, you have the seller financing. I prefer seller financing in most cases because it's an actual real estate transaction, meaning the sellers do sell, you go to a closing table and they transfer title from the seller to the buyer. So now the buyer is now the owner. So it's an actual transaction. But the difference is between normals, instead of the buyer going out and getting money from a bank and just paying the seller, the seller says, hey, I will carry the contract. That's a term that you're going to hear a lot. I will carry the contract. It's the same thing for seller financing, which simply says, hey, I'll give you title and you're going to make a payment uh, on this. And, and subsequently, if there's a mortgage on the property, the owner will then pay their, their mortgage. And we use an all-inclusive uh, uh, deed to do that. It's, it's legal. It's totally fine. Uh, but the number one caution that I want to share is that don't do seller financing unless you have an escrow account. The, the most common here in Utah is escrow specialists. They're not the only one, but they're by far the biggest. A little old-fashioned, uh, but they, they get the job done. But what that, allows, uh, what that allows both parties to have peace of mind with is that if the renter, or not the renter, the new owner, essentially the buyer, makes their payment, that that payment truly will also make the mortgage payment that the old seller still has on the property. Yeah. So escrow specialist manages that because one of the problems in the recession is people were doing these deals and they were making their either their lease payment or their seller financing payment, but the the owner or the previous owner, the seller wasn't now, paying the bank. Wasn't paying the bank. So all of a sudden they get a knock on the door saying, hey, we're here to foreclose and say we've never missed a payment. Say, oh not not your seller financing mortgage, but the other mortgage that got you know, wrap, wrapped into the deal yeah. and uh, talk about a legal mess. So use escrow specialists or any escrow account, because then you, you have peace of mind that it's being happened. Also escrow specialists can, can, uh, will give you notifications. Hey, if payment was missed, you need to pay the late fee. If the late fee and the payment still don't come in, then they send a simple letter to the seller says, Hey, you've got a, you've got somebody in default. Do you want to foreclose? Yeah. That all makes sense. Yeah, it does to me. So if I was a seller and somebody said, do you want to do one of these deals? Uh, the reason we're not seeing a lot of them is simple. And that is you do these deals when you can feel really good about the future. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and because you're locking in a price today, but you're not executing that price. Uh, and this is, let me, let me back up. This is for a lease option, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're signing, you're, you're pre-signing a purchase contract uh, super far in advance. And so when you're not sure if is the market going to go up, I don't want to leave money on the table, but if you have a high enough price, then maybe, yeah, I'll pre-sign a contract. But then on the flip side, it's like, well, what if the market goes down? It's a, it's a total win because you locked in at a higher price. Well, the sad news is probably less than 50% of lease options actually are fulfilled. At least that's my experience. And that's because by the time it comes time to execute the purchase, the market's either gone way up and the seller like really doesn't want to do the deal, even though they legally have to, 
Or if the market's gone down, which I saw in the recession, you had buyers say, well, I can't get an appraisal. I can't perform. So yeah. you're going to take my option money, I guess, but I, unless you renegotiate, bring the price down, I can't get an appraisal. I can't get financing. I can't, I can't perform. And so you just get kind of, kind of sticky that way. Yeah. Seems like somebody, we were talking about this before the podcast, but somebody generally loses, whether it's the, and it's typically the seller, right? No, not well, I always. And I shouldn't could. say somebody loses. I just think you have to have your eyes wide open on this. And again, if the market is doing what it's doing right now. So for example, I just talked to one of our brokers here at our brokerage um, an hour ago that kind of sparked this conversation in this podcast. But he he said that that a year ago there were clients, there were buyers that wanted to do a lease option with a seller on a on a over a million dollar home. And they wanted the home so bad they said, seller, pick your price and that's what we'll pay and we'll we'll will finalize all our funding and actually close on it with our conventional loan or whatever. And right down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Two years. After we get taxes done or whatever Mm -hmm. is causing the the reason for them not to perform now. So that broker in our office told me that they they agreed on a $1.25 million purchase price at the time. And now that home's worth about 1.5 to 1.7 million. And so the seller is trying to get out of that lease option and doesn't because the buyer is abided by the contract and still plans to close in a year. Mm-hmm. And if this market continues to go up, that property could be worth 2 million. Right. But again, like you said, if it goes backwards, then I guess the buyer it's the uh, other way. Yeah. But in either case, if this, if the buyer can't close and doesn't have cash out of pocket to close on the gap for the appraisal or the funding, or doesn't, isn't paying cash essentially, or have the difference, right. Exactly. Then they're, then you they're have a problem. <laughs> and the securing vehicle for all of loses. this what secures the whole thing and consummates the whole deal is, is the option money or earnest money, you know, call it whatever you want, but we usually call option money on these. And you just don't see a lot. And same thing with seller financing. It is a sale, but you still have down payment money, which is usually 10, 20% usually. Um, and, and again, I prefer seller financing because it is a real estate transaction. The, the homeowner at that point, has home ownership. They have, you know, it's their property. They're going to take care of a little bit. They'll have, they'll have their heart and soul into it. And it has more down payment. I, I usually am at 10, if not 20% when I structure these deals, because people aren't going to walk away from that much money, generally speaking. Uh, but people will walk away from five, 10 grand option money. Yeah. And so it just keeps it a little more secure. And, and also down the road, it's just a refinance not a purchase. Yeah. And so also on seller financing, when they're making their payment, it's amortized out on an amortization schedule. So a portion of each payment is absolutely going to principal, just like any other mortgage, according to the amortization table. Now, a lease option, most of the time, it's just a rental payment, but there is in the document, the standard document, the city of Utah provides realtors and, and people to use, uh, it does have a section where you could say, hey, out of each rental payment, we want to commit X percent or X dollars toward principal. So that can be done. I've only done that one time. And it was, and I realized from that one deal that it was pointless because we did like $100 out of each rent check. And it was only like an eight month long contract. Like, oh, great. 800 bucks. Like, it was just like, why did we yeah. even do that to begin with? We should have just collected 800 bucks more to begin with. So this might be a better question for for a lender but do you have any idea like let's say that you have a property that your seller financed to me and you want to go get another loan on another property do you know how that affects your finances on yeah your you still table? you're still on the loan yeah, yeah you're still on the, it's still on the credit report it will it will show up and they don't allow any there's not any sort of 
I guess they don't give you any sort of break because you have a contract. Well, they do. What they look at is if the payment's coming in and you're receiving payment, you can show those escrow account payments. They look at it just as rent, okay. essentially, even though you're not on title because you sold it. Yeah. So, so if, I, the, if the rent, if that payment covers your, your mortgage plus some, then really it could be counted as income. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Just like as, as if you had it on a rental. Now, that brings up a good point. You'd never, ever, ever want to structure a seller financing deal where the payment coming in from the new the new owner is less than the previous owner's mortgage payment. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because yeah. otherwise the escrow account cannibalizes itself. If there's like you have to have enough money coming into that escrow account to pay the mortgage, also taxes. And if you end up putting insurance or even an HOA fee all in that escrow account, it's, uh, it's got to get covered. Otherwise it eats itself. And then all of a sudden you're negative and it goes back to the, somebody's getting shorted and you could have a foreclosure that was unintended. So you've got to cash flow by at least a dollar, right? It's got to yeah. be in the green for the escrow account to work. And escrow specialist is pretty good. Like they'll send notice of, of, of hey, you've got an issue. Yeah. You know, you've got negative you've got a negative situation going here. Now, I guess the last point is, is well, and I guess let's just back up. The reason I'm talking about this now, and I think this is very pertinent to, to this market, is because we will see more of these come out. As interest rates go up, uh, seller financing could be a total win-win for both sides because a buyer could come into this and say, hey, I'll do a seller financing deal with you that's a higher interest rate. So now the seller's profitable, but a higher interest rate still might be less than what you know, the billboard rate is or par, whatever you want, you know, the, the, the normal sure. rate. So that's when I've seen these pop up. And uh, we also see them with unique deals. Uh, you'll see these uh, for you investors out there listening. When you see wholesale deals and, and meth houses and some of the houses that are a little rougher, you'll see oftentimes these wholesalers will offer seller financing because you can't go get a conventional loan. You know, conventional, all lenders, when they do the appraisal, the home still has to be livable, which here in Utah, you've got to have a working furnace, um, even for a conventional, conventional loans. So there's a few requirements that sometimes a home is so rough that they can't even get a normal mortgage anyway. So then you'll see seller financing. So I want you guys to understand this. Now we talked about the spectrum. You've got a lease option where the seller retains title. You've got seller financing where they actually sell the property and title is given to the new owner. You've got this middle world called a contract for deed. And I really like these because it kind of bridges the gap. A contract for deed is actually very simple. It's where you do sign a deed transferring title, but the deed is not recorded. It literally just sits at the title company um, or even uh, I think escrow specialists can even be involved to some degree, but it's the terms of the contract simply say, hey, we'll sign a deed, but it won't get recorded until the end of a certain period. So it's like a lease option, but there is no, hey, when we go to execute the property, then let's go to the title company and sign everything and actually have a closing. This, you have a closing, but it doesn't get recorded. Mm. And it just simply says, once the buyer has executed you know, X amount of payments, mm or after a certain date or, you know, some trigger that authorizes the title company to then record the title. So done. the reason why a lot of, why a lot of people like this too, is if you do seller financing and then they miss payments, you have to go through the foreclosure process. The note that they sign is the same with any mortgage company. So you literally have to go through a mortgage foreclosure process, which is regulated. There's rules, there's laws against that. But when you have contract for deed, the buyers have peace of mind. Hey, I've got a deed. So as long as I make my payment, 
that title is as good as mine. So I'm going to improve the house. I'm going to fix it up as if I own it because I have at least a deed signed, even though it's not recorded. But for the seller, they can say, hey, if that person ever stiffs me and doesn't pay, I don't have to go through the foreclosure process. I make one call and that deed just gets gets ripped up essentially. As long as the title company verifies that it, it was defaulted, the deed doesn't get recorded. Mm. So they can, so it's like an instant foreclosure, if you will. Yeah. So kind of an interesting world and people don't know about that, but I would do on really either side of the table, I'd still do seller financing first, contract for deed second, and probably a lease option last. Again, there's different scenarios, but just generally speaking, that's kind of my attitude toward the spectrum. Do we need to make a disclaimer that this is not financial advice? And, uh, <laughs> I think we need that disclaimer on every one of our episodes. Yeah. Guys, we're, 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 not. we're investors, <laughs> we're realtors. Yes, I, I'm a licensed broker. Uh, but yes, everything is just my opinions and Hayden's thoughts and opinions <laughs> and don't hold us to any of this stuff. But at the same time, I, I mean, this is, look this stuff up, Google it, read about it. Uh, but the whole purpose of this is here's a quick, you know, what, what are we at? 13 minutes, 16 minutes of, of explanation, <laughs> but I hope it's useful because I think investors, especially you need to know these things and don't be, don't be afraid of them. They're, they're good vehicles for financing when traditional financing doesn't work. So if you've got questions on it, call us, like, this is what we do. I've done, I've done, I've done all three of them. And, and again, lease options do have a high, uh, a higher failure rate, but let's talk about it. If you've got a, a deal that needs a creative, uh, financing situation with the seller. Let's see if we can find a win-win. Love it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks everybody. Have a great day. You've been listening to the red sign podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. See you next time.